Father of mine. Father of of mine. How are you feeling right now? How are you feeling? Got a little bit of an early head start on this episode. We usually are, the sun would typically be down a little bit here for me, but uh, the sun is out. I feel, I feel good. I feel perky. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel good too because the week is over right now. So I have that extra little helping of energy inside of me because we're just done with the work week and it's it's time to, <laughs> time to enjoy the weekend, which I think I kind of have to get out of. I think I had to get out of that mindset of the weekend being any different really than the rest of my week because that sometimes having that thought is what really allows me to misuse my weekends either for just not doing anything and being kind of lazy or or even worse partaking in debauchery which has become not not a common occurrence for me but it still does uh, happen and especially if I have the mentality of like oh it's time to relax it's time to kick it it's time to it's the weekend we're finally done it's it's whatever, and then it's one thing to not go to work, but it's another thing to like throw your morals out the window. Yeah, but you know, the Lord also gave us day of rest, and that's part of His design. So it's good to. No, no, no. I, I, yeah, I. Well, and what is that? So we have the day of rest. What is, what is that supposed to look like? A day of of rest. Well. For the Old Testament Jews, they were supposed to just, you know, work six days. Seventh day was a day of rest, and it was a time to reflect on God's provision and mm. goodness. And, you know, although that's not carried over in the New Testament, so you have Seventh-day Adventists who worship on, you know, Saturday, the Sabbath. and and uh, But actually, it's not a biblical mandate to do that. It's the only of the Ten Commandments that wasn't, reiterated for the church all the other ones were except for that one so why is that well because resurrection day sunday is taking the place as far as our day of worship and thank you lord and the only thing for the week and the only thing that's changed is what day we're worshiping or what day we're essentially calling the lord you know basically uh, essentially but you know we don't carry over all the other things because you know you had other aspects of the law that they needed to carry out in the Old Testament that we don't need to in Christ, but at the same time, that the principle of of having that day of rest just to reflect on what God has done and His provisions for us, and to rejoice in that, and and you know, it's also a good time to get our hearts and minds right. But you know, the so, problem is in the U in the U.S. and the West. We're so driven with work, you know, and, work money. and making money yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So do you think it's, it's like, do you think it's morally wrong for a Christian to work on a Sunday? Morally wrong? I I wouldn't say go that far, but I definitely you know missing church and that's not healthy. Mm. And we're we're given the warning to not you know. I had a very interesting thing. I read this off on the other podcast that I do. Um, I was perusing um, the internet, and I came across some people asking for, like, Christian relationship advice. And what we were talking about just reminded me of this one that – let me read it off to you. I think it's uh, applicable to this. Um, All right, so here's the question. So you have two Christian guys. Would you rather date A, 
a man who's working two jobs, saving up for a house to be able to provide for his Christian family one day and has his life organized. But due to his workload, he can't attend church like he used to or be involved as much as he'd like to be. Or B, a man who attends church regularly and is involved with his church, but works as like a part-time door dasher with no ambition and his life is not organized. I know most say guy A is the answer. However, reading the post from women, they complain a lot about how a guy isn't Christian enough. But if he's not Christian enough because he is focused more on being able to provide and take care of his family one day, I mean, let's be honest here. The good Lord doesn't hand out lottery tickets. We have to be responsible and work hard for the things that we want uh, as we pray for his guidance and help us down the right path. Uh, If anyone can give context to worship balance and work balance, uh, just could give me any help there, basically. What uh, What are your thoughts on that? Well, one, it's you, you don't even have God in the equation and all that <laughs> directly. Other than the fact that right? God is just not handing out lottery tickets. Yeah. I mean, other than that, it's like, you know, so it's kind of like, you know, well, he's praying for direction. Kind of he's praying for direction while he's working, you know, so he's asking God, hey, God, what job should I have? You know, at least that's what he says. Well, that's what he says, but. But that seems like bare minimum, probably. Yeah. And in the, in the other hand is you have Christ's teaching, Luke 12, right? Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. Mm-hmm. God knows what our needs are, and therefore we're, we're told where our focus ought to be and h- how we should be living our life and what should be the driving motivation for us and not to worry about those other things, not to be anxious or fearful about them, but know that the Lord will provide. Doesn't mean you don't work, nor does it mean we don't look for work, but there also must be priority and mm. and God must take priority in all things. I mean, give you an example, friends of ours I knew when I was a kid and and he had lost his job, applied for a job and so he gets a call from the company he was really, you know, praying that he would be able to get a job at and they were interested in him, but they, you know, when they asked him if he could come in for an interview, he said, "Well, I'd love to, but I've already, you know, I tra- drive the church bus and I'm I'm in charge of doing that. And they don't have anyone else to drive it because I've already made a commitment that I'm going to take the youth down to Mexico for a missions trip. Mm. And that, you know, and they said, well, okay. And he said, you look, if, if there's any other openings, please call me back. But I've made a commitment. I need to do that. And ministry was first and foremost. And so they hung up the phone. Well, then they call him back again and asked him, well, can you, you know, meet on this day? And he said, well, that's the day we we would be driving back. And he goes, unfortunately, I'm going to be down there the whole week and then bring him back up afterwards. And so they said, okay, thank you. And they called him back again and they said, all right, why don't you just come in and interview with us after you get back and settle after you go on this missions trip? Mm-hmm. And here was just, you know, at least for him, an issue of commitment and trust that God would provide as much as he wanted that job. And most of us would be like, man, I really want this job. I've been wanting it for a while. I apply here. Now they call me. I really need to take this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
Yeah, and you're like, well, this is God providing me the opportunity, so I should probably take this one handed to me. Yeah, but that was him focusing on, you know, God and ministry that he had before him and that he had committed himself to and trusted that God would provide, and he, he did, so... Well, in that situation, you know, I but have sometimes question. those questions, those questions, oftentimes they they don't acknowledge the fact that God intervenes into our life, that He actually can move people's hearts and work behind the scenes and you know lead circumstances around to our benefit. It's kind of like. Well, this more of this deistic view that God's up there in heaven and, you know, we ask him for advice every once in a while and, you know, that kind of thing, but not with the awareness that, you know, he can intervene. And if we focus on the spiritual aspects and our commitment to him, that he'll provide for us. According well, because who knows in that in that moment, that company, you could be one person being like, well, if I don't take this, they're going to think, well, he clearly he doesn't care that much about this job and offer it to someone else. And then they're going to them be like, well, I have to get this. But yeah, that company through that moment could have seen him and had a few list of other applicants. It was like, well, clearly this person, when they say they're going to do something, they do it and they stand for what they're committed to and they don't go back on their word. And that moment of showing like, no, I'm sorry, I've already committed to doing this and something that isn't like, hey, I'm going on a vacation, but hey, I'm driving the school bus for the mission trip. Like, it's not like he's out in Tijuana or something like that with the fam and can't come back a little bit earlier or whatever. And yeah. so it's. If anything, that could just have been the thing that pushed him over to hire him for that job. And so to not trust God in that situation and not think that he can't use that circumstance to further along your career. But also, if if our, our divine mandate is to make disciples of all the nations, then evangelism is key. And mm-hmm. And here he has now made it clear his relationship to Christ, his yeah. commitment to that relationship. And also, he has opened now the door for a greater witness in, in, in the job if they hired him on. And so it's like, but, you know, most folks, when they look at job life, oftentimes is there's sort of like this dichotomy between, you know, my secular life and then my Christian life. Yeah. But we're a Christian all the time, and therefore, that's really how we have to look at life. That's who we are first and foremost, and the other things are are the peripheral. I feel like that is also, that has become a thing that is difficult. Um, well, it's not difficult, but it's be The conviction that I need to be just as much of, like, when I'm around certain people, when I'm talking to you, when I'm talking to certain friends of mine, uh, I will, they get the full version of me. And they see all sides of me, including my faith, is on full exposure. And it's one of the big things that comes up in conversation, especially when I'm around people that are also believers. And so it becomes really easy. But then I will see myself in work life or in certain other scenarios where it's not like I'm a different person or I'm acting differently to conform. It's just I've left off an aspect of my life from the table. And it's not even that... I'm not walking into work and going like singing hymns all day out loud or, or needing to, to try to start handing out tracks to my coworkers or something. But you have regular conversations about life 
all the time. If you're talking with coworkers, if you're talking with friends, if you're talking with whatever, and to you, you feel that in the back of your head, you know what the answer would be at times. And you're like, this is the answer I would give if I was talking to a fellow believer. But because I'm not, I feel inclined to give like a half kind of dance around the bush, but like without saying any of the churchy words that might make them look at me like I'm a weirdo, you know? And so I've, I feel like a big, not stumbling block, but it's been quite the hurdle for me to get over recently. And I find myself doing better and better and it becomes less and less awkward the more that I do it. But being okay with, you know, just being who I am. And being honest about, you know, living my truth and just it's showing who I truly am to my coworkers. But like being honest in those situations and just saying this is the answer I would give to anyone, you know, and this is what I believe is true. I believe that, you know, there's there at the end of the day, there is no solution outside of God. So I can't give you a real genuine answer to life quandaries or questions that doesn't involve him. And if I am, then. I'm doing a disservice to you. I'm doing a disservice to anybody else that's listening because I'm giving you just halfway answers about what I, like, I don't actually believe what I'm saying. I would, it's, you know, I'm just kind of giving you a sort of a, a little, the long way around without hitting any of the, the key, the key religious points, you know? Well, and I think also that's for, for some folks, they, they, they've got it sort of ingrained in their heads and we, you know, we get this from society, you know, don't ask, don't tell. And it's not like, you know, you're necessarily, in one sense, going into the workplace with this thought of I'm going to try and hide a a major portion of my life from people. Yeah. But it's like, I don't want to create issues. I don't want to, you know, cause problems. So I'm just not going to, I'm not going to say anything. But if someone asks, I'll say something. Yeah. And if if they specifically ask about your faith, but it's like, how often does that happen? Yeah. But again, it's like if it's if it's the key relationship in your life, right? I mean, we we do this with stuff. If there's something that we really delight in and it's amazing to us and all of that, we're readily to talk about it. Not only that, but oftentimes we'll direct a conversation so we can talk about it. Yeah. And that's really what our relationship with God ought to be is that it's such a first and foremost reality in our life that you know, it's just a part of the conversation. It's like your mom did that. I remember one time we were at Kayla's soccer practice when she was really young, and we were sitting at practice, and one of the moms asked your mom how she was doing. And her, her first response was, you know, the Lord has just been really gracious. And we're going through a difficult time at the time, and and this lady knew that, so she was just, you know, checking to see how mom was doing. But it was like that was the... the the immediate answer that she gave her and it's like it was just such a you know a a moment for me that was very thought-provoking because Mm. not everyone would respond to i'm doing you know great that kind of thing yeah but i've been all right you you know know, yeah and she could have said something that wasn't like i'm trying to be evasive about my relationship with the lord as opposed to right i mean it's just it's something that's first and foremost in my mind, and so that's what comes out of my mouth when you know I'm asked about something, and and it just caused me to think because you know you wonder like in your own life conversations, is that what immediately comes forth, or you know am I used to 
because I'm programmed with the way that the world works? Am I used to just sort of putting that in the back seat as I walk into life? But in other scenarios, when I'm around believers, then now I, you know, he's no longer a backseat passenger, but now he's in the front seat with me. You know what I mean? Well, I think and there's a point in life where depending on where you are in the maturity of your walk, you may be at that place where you aren't talking about that period. Like that's not something yeah. that's coming up. And that's probably a, a good sign that like, like you said, if you truly love something, like when I love a, a new song, I'm playing that song for everyone. When I love a yeah. new show or a new whatever or a new food, everyone is going to know that I love it. They're trying it with me. I, they have to know. They have to know. Why? Because their life is, miss. in my opinion, you're missing out. You're missing a cool aspect of life if you don't try chili cheese fries with pastrami on it. And I'm going to tell every living soul that asks me about food or anything about chili cheese fries covered in pastrami. And so, Because yeah, whatever you delight in, you're yeah. going to praise, right? Well, and and sing its praises to other people. And that's where I, I, I kind of really started to realize, because before in my life, it was very sparse, that, that those kind of conversations, even with people that were like fellow believers, unless they were provoking the conversation, unless it was a conversation with like you or mom, because there just isn't really a conversation that happens with either of you that doesn't involve, I don't think I've really had one that doesn't involve bringing up the Lord in it, or your walk with the Lord, or faith, or whatever, you know? And so... But the more and more that I started to make that a part of my life and see these things for me, and it wasn't just a thing that I talked about in certain circles with people that just wanted to talk about it, I guess, you know, and yeah. I would just, I learned like, <clears throat> what does it mean to truly fellowship? What does it mean to truly just sing God's praises? Where before I was like, I don't understand, like, what am I going to just go around and just, I, like, am I just going to sing hymns all day? Like, I really don't get what that means and, like, how that's supposed to look. But then I'll, like, have conversations with Matt, one of my roommates, for those who don't know. Um, and it will just, it'll be the, the the best conversations we ever have are ones where we're just, we're just going on and on about things that we're just seeing God do in our lives. Little moments that we're just having where God is just showing up and doing stuff. And it's just like, we laugh and we do, we just take so much joy and pleasure in these moments. And the fact that we get to see them together and he's telling me about his moments throughout his day and little things and I get to share in mine. And it's like this overwhelming bonding that we have together, like unlike nothing else. Like I love sharing music with people. That's probably my favorite thing to do. And to just yeah. share music and, and to love music with other people, it's it's just brings you so close to people, but it still really doesn't even scratch two believers that are just so unbelievably awed by what God is doing in their lives and being able to just share that. And so for me, the more and more that that became a common occurrence with friends, family, whoever— that it became very glaring to me that I am leaving this completely off the table when I'm in these situations. And when I'm having these conversations and people are asking her certain questions, it's the answer is coming to my head. The answer is involving God. It is involving my faith. And so I am having to actively choose to just leave it out because I feel awkward yeah. or uncomfortable or that they might look at me a funny way if I start by saying that. But the problem is, too, is they don't really. Like, I mean, there are definitely certain people that will, but 
when they look at you in a funny way is when you go into it with a spiel that you need to go into and a speech that you've prepared and you're ready to like witness to everybody there and you've got to hit them with the full length sermon as soon as you get the opportunity. That is weird. That would weird me out, you know? But when I'm just being honest and I'm just being, you know, God has just been great to me. He's just been showing me so much of my life. He's been providing me here. He's been doing this there. And it's just like natural. It's just like any other aspect of conversation because I'm just telling you about really what's going on in my life. They uh, most of the time they're just like, oh, cool, dude, that's great, you know. And and maybe they they b- don't ever think twice about it, but you know maybe they do. And it's really not that uncomfortable or not that awkward when it's just you sharing about. It's it's when you make it a. Uh, it's clear that you're taking the Jesus juke approach where you just like had to try to shoehorn God into the conversation when it didn't make any sense. But like when it's something yeah. that's just truly you and it's truly your life, it becomes it becomes very natural. But it is. It's just unbelievably uncomfortable at times to just take that step to say Jesus. To say Jesus in a conversation is super weird, you know, at first. It's just because so many people have so many associations part to of that, different part things. Of that is, but part of that is it's, it's just being programmed. I mean, even in society, it's going to become harder for believers to speak out openly about their faith because there's so much in which they're trying to shut our mouths up about saying stuff, right? And and they do that now more and more. It's like if you speak out for something that's true or about God's design of things, whatever it is, and we start to say anything, then you're labeled whatever. And then, right, and it's all just to silence you, to keep your mouth shut. Unless you say everything that they want you to say, then you can talk. But otherwise, so it's going to become harder for, for believers to do that. I think it's for yeah. some, I don't know that they all necessarily realize that's what's happened to them but there's so much of this desire not to just you know create friction or whatever we just sort of walk into life not realizing that we've been programmed over a period of time to just keep our mouths closed well and for a culture that's supposed to be so for a culture that's supposed to be so acceptant too about things like that yeah they're just it's it's not you know and there's just times where it just if you are acting differently living differently it's not even just what you say but it's what you do it's the fact that you don't even want to partake in things that they're just like what do you mean you don't want to just crush seven beers with us right now like why would you not want to do that like are you okay like what's your problem you know it's not even as much of just saying because everyone thinks they're spiritual everyone thinks they have their own belief in a higher power of some sort it seems you know i mean other people are just out and out atheists they don't care but i feel like so many people i know are just in this weird middle ground where they they believe there's something because it's undeniable to some extent that there's that there has to be a higher power i feel like people can't get around that you know but they don't want to put a name on atheist they're an atheist light right it's sort of a you diet know, some, atheist. I, yeah, it's like they, well, it's because they know. don't want to, but they don't want to put a face or a name to it because that means that now there's a standard, whatever it is, whether it's Christianity, whether it's any other form of actual religion, because now there are rules, now there are things, now there is something. But it's easy to just be like, yeah, no, I believe there's like a force and energy out there that's kind of holding us all together, and and it's like um, the other side. I think is it, it. How does it? You know, like our understanding of the world right it's like we're also i think in the church for many program thinking that that people in the world don't know that god exists 
but they do. They do. Yeah. They're, but they're they're just in constant denial, and they they suppress it with their sin and other things, right? But it's like we sort of walk out thinking that you know most everyone they just don't know and mm-hmm. they don't understand, and so therefore, and there isn't don't enough evidence it. out there. Yeah, as opposed to just walk out and just. I mean, to me, that's why. Like several years ago, the thought just has hung on me for for whatever reason is. The, the fact that God is, he just is. Yeah. Whether I believe it or not, he just is. And and that the reality of God's existence is impressed upon everything that he's created. and mm-hmm. But then it caused me to ask myself a question. Do I walk out into life with the re, walking in that reality that God is? Or is it like, mm-hmm. do I see him as like, well, I believe God is, and then I have to try and prove all the, to the rest of the world that he is? Or that he just is, and everyone knows this, and there are those who are acknowledging that and embrace that and surrender their life to him, and then there are those who are in rebellion to whatever degrees that looks like in their life, because not everyone is as depraved as they possibly can be. Yeah. Although they are totally depraved in the sense that sin has affected every area of their life, but you know, not everyone's walking around shaking their fists up in the sky. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like, how do I walk into life? Do I walk in with the reality that God is and speak from that and and behave from that? Or do I understand it differently? Well, it's almost like you think you're a part of a book. It's like you think you're a part of a book club or something like that, where it's like, oh, have you read the book? Oh, well, then you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know anything about it then. You haven't you haven't heard about. Oh, okay. well, then you don't even know who Frodo is. And it's like, well, it's it it's unavoidable. And and that's why so many people, I feel like they they feel the need to bury. They have to drown themselves out from it, too, where it's like, well, it becomes almost undeniable. And so they don't want to think about it. I know a lot of people that even people in my work, especially because I work in a. Southern California have a lot of Hispanic people that are all grew up in Catholic homes and things like that. So their parents are all somewhat religious of some sort. You know, Catholicism has a wide spectrum of people that believe in God. Um, But at the same time, there's a lot of people that I know that they're like, yeah, you know, it's something that I definitely do believe in kind of. And like, I I don't like joke around about it too much. Like they won't be blasphemous because they're, they're still a little bit like, I kind of think that that might actually be a real thing, but I don't, I don't ever want to talk about it really. I don't even want to think about it because that means something that means that something needs to happen. If I am going to out and out say that I believe that there is a God and this is the God that I believe in, that means something that has to, there's no way you can believe that and just be like, all right, well, Going back to whatever else I was doing, I guess I don't have to think about it, well, you know, because if that's truly what you think is, then something has to be done about it. Yeah. And Roman Romans 1 is clear. They not only know, but they suppress that knowledge, and they also know at the end of the chapter, they also know that all of these sins are, are worthy of, of death before God, and yet they not only do them, but they give hearty approval to those who do. Yeah, yeah, it's like so. Either that's true, or right. And I believe that you know everything in Scripture it says is true, and so therefore this is how man right knows and understands, and this is how we're supposed to view the world and interact with people. And but it changes everything, right? I mean, if you walk out in the reality of that God is. And everyone knows that they're just denying that and rebelling against that. 
it, it, it affects how you deal with them and how you talk to them. And Well, because if you're a believer and you walk about, like, can you, do you not see God all throughout your day? Do you not see him everywhere? Do you yeah. not see him in creation? Do you not see him in all these different, you see him in the sunset. Like, you can't go outside and look at nature and not see something amazing. And be like, okay, there's yeah. got to be something beyond me. This can't just have all been an accident that just happened, and it happened to be beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, art is never yeah. just at. We don't accidentally end up with the Mona Lisa. It wasn't like, I accidentally kicked over my paint set, and uh, it was there. <laughs> it was there. I don't know. I don't know what yeah. happened. Like, that's never, ever, 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 ever been the case. So, you know, it's it's you can't. As to, to walk out and think that no one else is seeing that and no one else is and whatever, people, they just don't want to think about do it. do this. I mean, even unbelievers do this. Your mom and I were watching this, I think it was on the Travel Channel, and there was this guy, he show he was filming on there that he would hijack people's trips. And he would, you know, ask, would you be willing to go on a trip I take you on, right? In exchange for the trip that you were going to take, will you trust me and, and, and be willing to go on the trip I'm going to take you on? Yeah, and so some people take them up on it, some not. But there were these two girls who were going to go on a trip together, friends from college, and so they he hijacked their trip and took them on a trip. And one of the places took them, I think it was in Mongolia, and so they had these yurts set up and whatever else. And so at nighttime, the two girls were sitting outside and they're just looking up at the heavens, and the one says to the other, "You cannot tell me that there isn't someone out there." Right. Right. I mean, just that immediate acknowledgement. If you look yeah. up to the heavens, which what, Psalm 19, right, is like you, this realization of seriously. This We've unfortunately just, kind of been robbed this of didn't that. Just happen. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's it is it is a bit unfortunate that we've been robbed of the night sky due to the city lights yeah. and stuff that you don't get to witness the just complete. Like, I bet you there are many people that are here in America that had grown up in suburbs that if they went out to the middle of nowhere and looked up and they would just be like, oh, wow. It would either be, it would either be a moment of there has to be something bigger than me out there or be a moment of just pure fear and anxiety, realizing that you really are floating in space on a rock. I had that moment this morning where I was like, you know what? Thank, thank God that there is God. I was like, because I would be paranoid if I thought that we were really just a bunch of animals floating on a rock through space and that we could just, it, it could all go wrong at any moment. There's nothing really holding it all together. And so I feel like I would be terrified. I'd be in constant panic and anxiety about I mean, that. To me, that's a frightening proposition. There've been times I've stopped in my own life and, and just said, where would I be and what would life be like if God didn't exist? Right. And I didn't have this relationship with him. It always freaks me out. Because it's like I, you look at the things in, in the world around you and look at everything that's happening. It's like if there's no one in control, right, and there isn't a, a, a grand design and designer, then mm-hmm. it just— This that, is scary. This is really, is, really scary. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I uh it's it's uh it's I mean, I think people are coming to that realization even now. Like you look at all major cities, right? And you look at you know, there's sort of all this mentality of well, man is basically good, right? He just needs a better education. But you watch what's happening in a lot of the major cities and that and how quickly society can degenerate when the restraint is taking off. 
right? If you don't have law enforcement, if you don't have mm-hmm. laws, if you don't enforce those laws, mm-hmm. right? Or as Ecclesiastes chapter eight, if you don't nip things in the bud and deal with the smaller infractions, right? Then sin is going to intensify and it's going to escalate. It's going to get worse. Oh yeah. But people, it's like a reality check because this is what happens if we're in total control. There is no God. And in his grace, he isn't restraining things now, right? I mean, just imagine where we would be left to ourselves to try and determine purpose and meaning and significance and all of these things. It's I mean, just, if we're really just and monkeys, then if you, monkeys making it up on our own, I, I feel like, I mean, we would not have, we would have nowhere near the societies we have now. Well, and things don't mean anything either in conversation because when we look at the society we're in now where we've abandoned absolutes and universals, well, now you can say whatever you want to say anymore. And for most people, it's like this thought that truth doesn't even exist anymore. And then that's really where we've ended up because if, if everyone has their own truth, then there is no truth at all. And that's a scary proposition, but look at how people talk. Honesty, speaking the truth, facts, none of those things matter anymore. You can say whatever you want to say. And we well, can just, sculpt and manipulate. Truth. It's see, your truth. Yeah, but see, then everything becomes arbitrary. Mm-hmm. There's no standard of measure. There's none of that. There's no accountability. Therefore, you can say and do whatever you want. I mean, and just look at across the board what's happening in society because of that. And it all comes back to the issue of evolution where this, you know, belief that God doesn't exist when he does and that everything you see around you is something is is an issue of chance, not by a grand designer. And, you know, forget truth and forget absolutes and universals. And I mean, look where it gets us. Man is ugly when he has no one to be accountable to, and if he can make up all his own rules. Well, that's what I don't understand, that people don't see these evil people and realize that they are just people. Like, I think they have it convinced in their head that they were born a different mutant version of a person. And it's like, so that's why they were able to commit all these atrocities. I was like, no, they're your next-door neighbor. They're your little brother. They're your mom and dad. They're those. They're any person that are put in the right circumstances, or that completely just—it is all about them. They have made themselves fully god of their life. Like, and you see it in all these different. But that's us if we're unredeemed. If we're not given a a new nature and new life, that's that's us. Mm -hmm. It's like, and we would like to think that as we live in our little bedroom communities, well. That's the inner city, and it's always ugly in the city. But that's not us out here. Yeah, we're I different mean, out you know, here. We, we have we, fields. We, we live on our five acres. We have property. And, you know, people with property don't kill other people. Come on, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's something, but it it becomes it becomes hard because the more and more that you walk with God and you're looking for Him, the more and more you see Him everywhere, and the harder and harder yeah. it is to not just. Like you have to do something about that at the end of the day. As a believer, what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about that truth? How are you going to handle yourself in conversations? And like, I, I just, I can't, there's only, I can only just, I, I can't turn it on and off where it's just like, okay, I have my God time here and no yeah. time there. And, and then like, if anything, that just becomes an awful game of tug of war with my soul where it's just 
parts of the days I'm in misery and I'm in like just depravity and then parts of the days it's all good because, you know, for the 15 minutes I read my Bible, you know, it was chilling. And, and so, but the more and more that you're just making that a part of you, you eventually you have to just be like, I have to do, I have to say something about this. I can't just leave these things off the table when I'm having real life conversations with people. And, uh, and the opportunities are always put in front of you. You don't have to like fall on your knees at work and pray every lunch in front of everybody and like make this whole big thing. Like it's, that's, you can just wait, talk. God will give you opportunities to share and just be honest about your life and about what God is doing. You don't have to have some kind of PowerPoint presentation ready to throw on as soon as somebody asks you. But it's even like in our life, like how we even see and speak of things because you know, we do this with the weather. It rained, it snowed, it, you know, right? It, it, it. There's mm-hmm. nowhere in the Old Testament will you ever see that stated. It's always yeah. God sent the rain or sent the snow or the frost, and he did these things. And there, there's different, you know, just small ways like that in our own life where we start speaking out the truth of the matter, right? As opposed to this naturalistic explanation of things it's so shaped our conversation so even just changing in little ways how you talk about things like the weather yeah it doesn't have to be something like you say something huge and whatever but it's just about you know your everyday conversation and how you speak of the things that you go through even well that was a big thousand we're always encouraged to speak about the deliverances that god gives daily i mean just the small things that he does in our life those are always opportunities to speak of them, you know? Well, and that was a big, big uh, conviction for me is when I would just complain about the rain. At first, when I first moved here, when it was getting <laughs> rainy and stuff, I would just complain here, but I was like, nah, I thought I escaped it going to Washington. Oh, I'm sick of this rain. Another day of rain. Here we go. And I was just doing what everyone else did. I'm like, well, do I believe that God controls the weather? It's like, well, I would yeah. say that if someone asked me, I guess, on a test, but I'm not acting like I do. I don't believe yeah. I'm not acting like he has sent rain and that's what is needed for today. And that's what is being given for today for whatever reason. I don't know, but you know, I'm sure that's the other thing I heard someone say too, is just like, I, there are many times in many circumstances where you look at your things and you're like, if I had all power, I would change my circumstances right now. But if you saw what God saw, then you would be like, Oh no, no, no. This is actually what is supposed to be happening and needs to happen. Yeah. So there's a lot of times where you can just get caught up in your own little weird world where it's like, ugh, it's raining again. God, why does it have to be raining every day? It's so gloomy, and I just, ah, uh, if I could just, I wish we could just change the weather or whatever. But then if you saw what God was seeing, you're like, oh, clearly today needed to rain. It needed rain today yeah. for so many reasons that I will never know. And I need to be okay with never knowing, but I need to look at that and and just see him in it you know but it isn't an interesting even in those kinds of things it's like we're we're so self-centered right because you walk out of day it's like oh i mean terrible weather i can't you know why is it it's just really if you boil it down it's just about us we just don't like the day i don't we don't like right i want it to be sunshine i want it to be you know certain amount of degrees outside and this and that and the other thing, but most oftentimes we grumble is just simply because life isn't going the way we want it to. Yeah. And that's part of our, our, our reshaping how we think because 
right? I mean, we're told in First Thessalonians 5 that we're supposed to be rejoicing always, pray continually, right? Give thanks in every circumstance. It's like, hmm. <laughs> but we find ourselves so often grumbling and complaining, and usually it's it, that betrays our self-centeredness, but also our, our lack of acknowledgement of God and all the good things that he gives us. Well, it's also why are we walking into our days with expectations? Why am I getting up in the morning yeah. expecting that my day is supposed to look like this? <laughs> because, and it's yeah. so great, it's become, it, it, it's what makes me so appreciative of the Bible. Because I'm like, I can't expect things from the Word. I can expect things from God because He is exactly who He says He is. He lays it out for us. and never changes. He never isn't that thing. So I can walk in every day and expect that he will give me my daily bread. He'll give me exactly what I need in that moment. Right. And I can expect that he is going to be good, that he loves me, that he's looking out for me, and that he cares for me. And I do not have to ever doubt that. I don't have to ever be let down or disappointed by it. But to walk into the rest of the, to your life and day and have these expectations of how you think it's supposed to go— it's just why would you why would you even put that kind of who cares it's supposed to go the way god wants it to go and if you just expect him to be good and to do what is right then it doesn't matter what happens you should it just it doesn't there's nothing to even think about there's not there's no you don't need to think down the line it was something very interesting i um i want to say it was c.s lewis it was talking about oh no it was the um i finished the screw tape letters great Great, like maybe the probably one of the best books I've ever read in my life. Um, like so, so well written. Like it's such a cool concept. And if you guys have not like read it or heard it, I listen to it on Audible. Go do it. It's worth your time. It's not super long, but um, the concept of like these demons writing him writing letters back and forth to each other and addressing this and and uh, one of the things he talked about was the 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 how the present is God's but the future is the devil's and it's like you can think of the present and focus on God and what he's doing right here right now and be in the moment like everyone talks about being in the moment and I don't think that's at all bad be in the moment with God watching what he's doing right now seeing how he's moving right now and then you can think of the past in the sense of being grateful for what God has done in the past and reflect on who he has been and how he has worked. And then you can think of the future as in eternity. You can think of eternity with him. But thinking of the future as in tomorrow and as in next week and and spending your time daydreaming and, and concocting all these ideas of what you imagine this to look like, I know it's fun to daydream. I love daydreaming. I think it's it's a fun time to just let your mind wander. Think of these situations of what they can be and what it could be. But and I used to do it all the time, and and I'll still do it, catch myself doing it a little bit here and there. But I, I honestly just find myself where I'm just like I don't I don't want to write the story in my head of what it's gonna be. Like I don't want to think too deeply about what it is because I'm probably thinking of a worse version. 
Like my idea is probably just worse than what it actually is going to be if I if I let God write the story and I'm trying to see what he's doing and how he's directing things. That's going to be so much cooler, so much more interesting to watch, so much more awe-inspiring if I just let that play out. So my ideas and my versions of what tomorrow is going to look like and my version of what next year and, and the rest of my life is going to be, they're so stupid. They're so like silly and like, they just is like, really? That was it? That was like, I feel like God's just like, that was, that's all you thought that it was going to, I have so much more for you that you don't even know. You don't, you've never, it's yeah. never crossed your mind that this is going to happen and it's going to happen. And so, but to have this concept of when I think of the future, only thinking of eternity and thinking of eternity with God. And then when you think of the past, only thinking of what God has done in the past and being grateful for what he's done. And then mostly spending your time living in the present with God. Yeah. And I mean, that, that it, it changes my everything, like my commute to work. If I spend my commute to work just appreciating those that moment and just in prayer, in conversation, singing songs, whatever, just enjoying that time with God, it's ideal. It is such a great way to start my day, a great way to start my work day. But when I start it by thinking about getting to work and what is going to happen when I get to work— and how I'm going to feel within the first hour of being there and what it's going to feel like when I finally get home and have to, it's just that is always puts me in the worst version of my mindset that I could be in when I'm thinking about the yeah. future. So I do think that living in the moment is, is something that should be worked on and it's something that I don't do nearly enough, but it's, it's living in that moment with God. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's, it's that, that, definition right there yeah that makes all the difference right yeah not just living mindlessly and what makes you happy right then and just pursuing because yeah. usually it's just what makes me happy right now and i'm gonna live in the moment of this makes me this seems right to me right now so i'm gonna do it right now yeah, but that's no true no. Well, and that's what, you know, Lewis reminds us of, right? Because, you know, when we look at the, quote, yeah, immediate future is not the true future for us. It's the eschatological, right? It's the ultimate end. That's our true future. But Wait, most of us... Repeat that first one again. I didn't hear you. Most of us, when we think about what is the future, it's not the true future. In other words, oh, no. what really is the future, right, is is what awaits us in glory, and that's beyond what we normally think about, right? Because mm-hmm. we're usually thinking about the immediate future, which Lewis would say that's not the true future. No, it's no, it's really not. And I mean, and even the even the future is in tomorrow, or the future is in next week or next year. When we think of it, it is not the true future. It is a written story we have come up with. We take the finite yeah. information we have about our lives right now, and we try to then apply it to two years from now. And be like, well, where I sit with these relationships and these people and this status in my work, then I can imagine that this time next year I should be here, and this is what this should look like, and this is what that should look like. And it's like that never Ever is how it goes. The, that's but that's why we're so frustrated too, and and become so disappointed. And everything is because we have this this fabricated script, as though we think we're the ones who write the script. Right in the story, we have this yeah. fabricated script, right for what tomorrow's going to bring and the next day and all of that stuff, and then we immediately just walk into it thinking that you know this is how things should play out for us, and then when they don't, 
it's like we're so upset and oh it throws you into a tailspin yeah and it's like and then we just get you know head down that pathway of murmuring and complaining about everything because it's not working out how we envisioned it to to work out as opposed to no you're not the author of your own life you're the reader of your own life you're turning yeah. the pages and you're reading the next thing that's already been written for you. You're not writing your own story. There you go. Hashtag. And when and when you are trying to be the author and writer of your life, you're writing a bunch of chicken scratch on a piece of paper that is unlegible to everyone else around you. And they're like, what? What is this? This is a mess. I don't want to read this book. Yeah. This is this is so sad and empty. That's just crazy, too. It's like we were talking, me and Matt were just, there's this one day where it was so crazy. We're down uh, slight flex, but I live right by the water. And so we're down where the, the boats are parked. What is that called? The bay? Marina? Marina? Yeah, Marina. The Marina. We're down in the Marina. And that we're watching the sunset as we're kind of doing other things. And it's like the sky is just painted pink and purple and orange. And it's like the greatest colors I, it's just, it's uncapturable. There's never another yeah. thing that I've looked at and been so just taken back, like, with art or, or color design or anything that's just, like, but the sky. The way the sun paints the sky as it sets and rises. The way that God has given us this beautiful work of art every morning and every evening, and it always looks different. And, like, how it bounces yeah. off the clouds and ricochets and creates this insane thing and me and Matt are looking at we're just going on we're just like god is amazing look at what he's this is unbelievable like we're just spent at least seven minutes just staring just staring and admiring it totally forgot whatever errand we were supposed to be running and so then him and I start chatting and we're not looking at the sunset anymore and then I like turn my head and the sky looks completely different but still like even more crazy like it just had set a little more and so it hit this cloud at a certain angle and it was just like i was like dude 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 dude, dude. Like, don't look 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 i just started i could have nothing to say and he looks and he's like when did that get there he's like when did this arise like this, I, I, I thought i just looked at it a second ago and it was just unbelievable moment that you can't there's just no way of of recapturing that and so to to look at that and be like there is no greater artist than god there is no one that has ever done more beauty or created more i mean looking at space is just like whoa it's terrifyingly beautiful you know and so the fact that these things that can't they're not even like like you said they're not even repeated in the same way you know what i mean it's like like snowflakes there's not one snowflake that's the same yeah but do you think about all the snow that's fallen between the fall and now? It's it's unbelievable. Right? That Not a there's single one has ever looked the same. There's no way. Yeah. It's like to create existence. Billions. How do you think? I mean, how can you look at that and say, well, this just sort of happened out of happens, chaos, huh? right? It's like <laughs> you, you really have to work it to die. And that just kind of. Well, and so then when you see these things, when you see this, like, this artistry and the way that everything's woven together to think that you can write a better story with your life than God can write with your life. Like he, he, the, uh, the way that he can, he can write an awe inspiring, beautiful, like love story with emotion and all these different moments that are just, you could just never, ever, ever do it. 
It's just you could never even and it, and if you and at the end of your life, if you had written down all throughout your life of like, I think that it's gonna play out like this. I think it's gonna play out like this. I think I almost want to do that and just write down what I think is going to happen and then be able to see what actually happened. I'm gonna look back and be like, wow. I had such a sad, simple, empty story of my life, and it was infinitely better than I could have ever imagined it to be because I just let him write the book. Well, I mean, just the the value of someone's life, right? When you look at individuals who have been created, and God has done this uniquely, each one is different, right? It's like, what would you rather that you came from nothing, you're going nowhere, and there's no reason or purpose, and you're just a zero, yeah. unless you can make of yourself something, right? As opposed yeah. to that there is a great and mighty God, and he not only designed this world, but he designed me uniquely and beautifully to reflect his glory in it. I mean, seriously, what? <laughs> which one would you choose, and yet... Mm-hmm we choose the other one, right? As opposed to the beauty of who we actually really are and, and the amazingness of the life that, that he gives. I mean, and even to be able to just be like a partial reflection, like you see, you see partial glimpses of God's power and glory and beauty and all these things in nature and all this stuff. But if you could, is your own self as a human and in your life, you could just be a partial reflection of who God is. That is going to be the most stunning, a most amazing, infectious person story that ever, that you could ever be. There's just nothing then just to even be somewhat of a reflection of who the creator is. And so to want anything else other than that is, I don't really know. It's just going to be worse. It's just worse. And, like, I feel like eventually that's become a thing for me is I just have realized, like, there's certain mistakes I just don't make anymore or or it's very rare because <clears throat> there's certain, like, vices that I, I've, I've, I've kind of – not completely, I'd say, but mo- more or less squashed my addiction to nicotine. I – um. I was smoking all the, every day, and I I don't think I've touched anything like that, and it's been like two weeks now. And I usually go, like, it was like maybe once every week and a half, I would either take a hit off of somebody's vape or, or share a cigarette with Matt or something like that, you know? And yeah. um, But time just keeps going further and further apart. And I have moments in my days. I have all the same moments in my days. Like, my coworker vapes, he'll give it to me at any moment if I ask. It does not matter. It's always there and always available to me. And, and it's, and there are times like we went out to a concert together and I had, and I didn't feel any, any problem with having it. You know, I was just like, we're having a a fun time. Like, this is not a big deal. I'm not coming at this with any kind of deficit or need, but the times I typically would at work is when I feel low. I feel like, oh, I just, I'm so sick of this day. I don't want to be here. I just wish I could leave, but I can't leave because I'm broke and I need money. So I have to stay. And it's like, I need something to pick me up, something to just help me boost me through it. And I would always run to that, run to going out and getting snacks, run to whatever, you know. And it's, and every time it would leave me, it would never leave me the way I wanted it to leave me. And then the more and more that I started choosing 
running to God, falling at his feet, and, and asking for him to be the one to carry me through the day, and then comparing how that looked to how it looked every time I ran to the other thing, that now it's just, it <laughs> yeah. feels so easy to say no, because I'm just like, it's always worse. It has never, ever not been worse. It has never, ever yeah. been better than the uh, than running to God. And so why would I, like, I I have to be really delusional to still try to convince myself in some way. And I am still delusional enough, you know, because I still do fall. But I have yeah. to be really, really delusional to be able to look at this and be like, well, I, God is, he's, he's every time it's it's been exactly what he promised it to be, and he's always come through the way he said he was going to. And this other thing is pretty hit and miss, and by hit and miss, I mean almost always miss. And it's never hit the way that, that, that it's never the pick-me-up that God is. It's never even close. So it's just like it becomes super easy just to see that. You're just like, I don't want I don't want anything to do with that. And so to see this and the way God paints these stories in your life and to watch when you're following him, it's like, I don't want to write my own story. I really don't want to be the captain of my ship. God is not my co-pilot. I'd like him to drive the vehicle. I'm going to go get in the backseat <laughs> yeah. and take a nap and let him run the show. Why would I want to be behind the wheel? Yeah. I want to be on the safari in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You can tow me in a wagon in the back. I'm just going to let you yeah. do all the cruising. You know the road. You know these streets. You can take me around. I'll t I'll handle the ox. I'll control what music is being played in the car, but you can drive us wherever you feel like driving us. So that would be my, my reflection for the week as I've been thinking through this last week is how, and it's a thought that keeps coming back to me because yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how that's going to look fully in my life but how can I be childlike in my faith and yet still mature and grow because like naturally when we look at our life it's like we have a tendency to sort of you know it's like as we quote unquote mature and grow we become more and more jaded yeah you yeah. know what I mean yeah. But like when you look at a child that simple enjoyment of delight in dependence, faith, trust, stuff just comes easy, right? It's just mm -hmm. it's who they are, but that's what Christ has called us to. But it's not a call for us then to to remain immature spiritually. So how do I balance those two? How do I grow spiritually and yet at the same time have that childlike Trust, delight, dependence. Well, it's kind because of it's of, kind uh, of like it's it's a lot like my real relationship with you as my father, where it's as a kid, whenever we're out, it always is a different feeling than when we're out with you. It's like I don't have to worry any I don't have to worry about anything because dad's here. Dad's going to take care of it. Dad is looking out for us. He's watching all of our backs. He's going to be the one to handle it. I can just live my life and enjoy whatever, walking around the mall, whatever we're doing. I can enjoy it because Dad's here. And I know that he's got me, you know? But then you have to mature to the point where it's like, okay, I know not to just blindly run out to the street and assume that maybe Dad will yell, hey, car, what? stop, don't do that, you know? Like, I'm going to go look yeah. and be caught and do that whole thing. But it's also not this... To grow and, and to, to do that, but to still have this just utter, well, my father is here. God is here. Yeah. I, don't have to, I don't have to worry. He's here. But I feel yeah, like maybe that's that's almost, it's almost weird the farther you get away from 
Like, because your whole life as a human is independence. It's like, eventually I'm going to have to leave the nest. Eventually I'm going to have to be on my own. I'm going to have to be able to function on my own. I need to handle these responsibilities. I need to be the one who gets me out of bed, gets me to work, gets this stuff done. And it's like, you that's do want to become... Always, I, that's why I've always said, right? It's it, that as parents, we should raise our kids to be independently dependent. Yeah. Yeah. But what is... I mean, that's so... That's... It's a beautiful statement. I'd retweet that on Twitter if you post it, you know, but like at the same time, that's a really hard thing to get like a very visual picture on what that looks like. It is, but it it would go back to our, our beginning of the conversation though, right? Hmm. Seek you first his kingdom and his righteousness. Yeah. Right. There's that constant Godwardness in your life and pursuits in your life. And those other things, they'll come along, right? Your ability to write checks and pay bills and do all that kind of stuff, you'll figure it out. You yeah. know what I mean? As opposed to parenting, we spend our time trying to get our kids to, to focus on that kind of stuff and not on having that Godwardness in their life and encouraging them towards that. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's also it's it's tough. It's it's hard to train something that you aren't, you know. And so, yeah. If if you're if you are someone whose worry is about financial, and it's like you're constantly, how much did we got in the account? How I'm, I'm gonna have to work overtime this week because I need to make sure that we have enough for this X, Y, or Z, whatever. We need to, you know. And not that you don't want to be fun. It's God is giving you this money. You need to be wise with it. You need to take good care of it. You know, you need to spend it properly. But when those are the things that you fear, you worry, you you make important, I mean, your kids are just going to grow up as this is the most important thing is making sure that this is handled. Yeah. Well, I feel like I feel like for me, for I mean, unless you have something else to speak on that, um, for like thoughts of the week. Go for it. Um, I mean, I was gonna say honestly, mine has kind of been is kind of been that, and um, it's been trying to be honest and trying to be open with sharing my faith. Um, also balancing that with like, I've been reading through the Sermon on the Mount. I just decided to start it and just go through those three chapters. I'm just gonna go through them for a little, for a little while and take a little break from Psalm 119 and um. And it's like that balance of like, okay, well, they say like, don't be the person who's just praying aloud in the middle of the square on the corners and you need to make a big show about like, go into your room in secret, have this moment alone. But at the same time, balancing that with being okay with having your faith on display and like, why are, why are you putting it on display? You know, it's like, you do want to have this private life, this intimate one-on-one with God, but also you need to be willing, like you're at work for eight hours. Like, why are you not reading the Bible on your lunch break or in prayer on a, on one of your many breaks that you get or little moments that you have? Why are you not taking time for that? You know, and and you don't need to make a big deal about it. But at the same time, there's times where I I, I pick up a book that I'm working through that I'm reading through. I have a, a book that my, uh, pastor gave me called thoughts for young men. And, uh, it's a great book and I'll just read it sometimes. And all people just ask me like, what are you reading? And I, have the chance to just share and talk about it, but I'm not reading it. So people are like, Oh, look at him. He reads books. He thinks deeply. It's just like, (laughs) I'm not going to waste my time. I need to make time for this. And I need to make more and more and more time for this, you know? 
uh, having yeah. time in the morning and having time after work is great, but I need I need more than that to get through my day. I just and if you don't, you're a stronger man than I. But um, finding that balance between like being able to have your faith in the things that you practice on full display, but also ha- having <clears throat> it's not just a show that you do in front of your Christian friends, your church group, or your whatever. It's 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 just who you are, and you're just living that out for people. And just trying to live my faith on full display for everybody, not just for yeah. the select group that I let into my inner circle, but just everyone, period. Yeah. And you better, that's the other thing too, is you better be on it because like you can be the person like one thing for me is like I I read in the mornings before I go to work. And a lot of times my roommates wake up and they see me just sitting there in my chair and I'm reading and I'm praying, I'm doing my thing and I'm not trying to make a thing about it, but I just get up and I have my, my time in the morning and that is great. That's a great testimony. But if I am being just as, or more selfish and can self concerned the rest of the day and short-tempered and like arrogant and throughout the rest of the time that time in the morning is going to be such a they're going to just turn their nose and be like ugh, i just hate these kind of religious people like they're all fake they're all just this joke it's not real it's just this thing that they do to look good and and that's what it's going to become so don't don't you shouldn't be going out there and just trying to be like i need to look more christian for the world so i need to make sure that i'm wearing like I remember that it reminds me of this time I was in Walgreens doing a job. Not that I worked for Walgreens because I'm not I mean come on guys, I'm not better, but but I didn't work for Walgreens. But I did contracting for them. And um there's this lady over the front and she had a shirt on with a Bible verse that was something about like peace and patience and kindness or whatever, and she was just losing it at the <laughs> the lady behind the counter and then the lady was like do you want your receipt ma'am she just stormed out and just like made a scene in front of everybody and everyone behind her is staring at the back of her shirt with a scripture reference on it and i'm just like dude <laughs> oh, just don't wear the shirt you could be a, yeah. a, a not nice person and like or don't put the christian bumper sticker on your car and then cut people off with your middle finger out the window like i just so but it's if like you don't do and you fail Go back and fix that fail. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? And that hurts a lot. That's super uncomfortable to do that. But it is so, it's so important that you do. Yeah. Because the walk around, I mean, that's the thing is I I think a lot of people, one of the fears about sharing and being open with your faith is that people have so many preconceived notions about religious people or Christians or whatever. And honestly, a lot of it is reasonable. Like, a lot of people just have had bad experiences. I've had bad experiences with people that claim to know Christ. And I'm like, well, I I don't want to know this guy that you know because I don't want to be anything like you. You're like a really awful person to be around. You're so self-involved, and it's just you're not fun. You're not only just self-involved, but now you're condescending because you have some kind of moral high ground over me. And so, like, they have these notions that honestly have just been— poor Christians that use God as their soapbox. And so, you know, humble yourself in those moments and, and apologize and come up and be like, hey, listen, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted this way. I'm really sorry for doing that. That was just wrong. That was whatever. Um, but at the same time, too, you don't need to go and put the jersey on. It Like, if, you, if you're living your life out properly, the jersey will just be on, and they'll just see through little moments that, hey— 
I know this kid. He listens to this type of stuff. He doesn't partake in this. Oh, he doesn't do this. He actually is, he goes to church. He talks about it randomly when we ask him what he did over the weekend, you know? And it's like, so it's not like you have to make a show of it because when you have to make a show of it is typically when you're just going to be a bad representation. Well, that's usually the hypocrite, right? You put on the mask, you make the big show of it, and then, you know, you live that, that other life when no one else is looking. But if you're genuine, right, you make the mistakes, but you, then you go back and fix them. And that just, you know, that, that to me is a louder testimony even because it's like I said at your uncle's funeral, his memorial service. I said, you know, I talk about his relationship with the Lord and most of you probably sitting there thinking, well, you know, I know him. I saw what he really did or this and that. I said, but that's the point, isn't it? It isn't because we're perfect that we need a savior. It's because we're sinners. Mm-hmm. And uh, even those moments of failure, it's an opportunity to be a witness and a testimony if you handle it correctly. But if you're playing the hypocrite, right, then you put on the show and then. Well, and you're supposed you to, you're called, you're, you're called, like, I think when you were being a hypocrite, you think that you're going out there and you are Christ, that you've attained it, you figured it out. And it's like, no, 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 I'm trying to be like him. I'm far from it and will never get there. And I'm going to be honest about that with everybody. And I'm going to apologize when I fail because I'm going to fail. But the people that aren't really about it and are just there for the title and the whatever, they want to be looked at as if they are perfect. They have it together. They are, and that's where sometimes when they have those real conversations and someone contradicts them, someone says something at them and disagrees with them or whatever, they get super snippety. And I've been that person when I felt the need to talk a certain way or bring up certain topics or conversations that I would get easily irritated because it would hurt my pride that someone would yeah. say something back at me. And I'm like, and, and then I would snap, and I would just say something out of anger, something so so stupid, and it would be such a bad reflection of it that I'm just like, I shouldn't talk. I should not talk about this because clearly I'm just doing this because I think that this is this is the kind of person I'm supposed to be, so I need to, like, make a point about it, you know? And it's, yeah. just, not, it's just not real. So I just want to be careful that when I go out there, I want to be willing to put, put Christ and my faith on full display, but also in the back of my mind, why am I doing it? And is it just because I, I don't want to hide it because I, it's he's too important to my life to keep it a secret or to act like it's not a, uh, an, an aspect in my life? Or is it because I want to look a certain way or look more put together than the next guy? Yeah. Or like I know something you don't. But um, yeah, other than that, other than that, week's been, uh, week's been good. Week's been good. simple but complex <laughs> realities it really, to life right it really it's is that simple it's that complex man well that's where you look at faith and there's so much to it at times but there's also so little to it where it's just it's it's the it's the most difficult thing you will ever take on but it is also the easiest way to ever live your life yeah. you know so it's it's the hardest road but it's it's also the the best stroll you'll ever take you know yeah. well Amen, on man. that 
Uh, and, you know, amen to that. You know, we dropped a few. We dropped some gems. This was a good episode. I like this was just start to finish. I had like a few other topics that I was going to bring up and I was planning on talking about. And we just we just went. And, you know, God just came through. And, and, and I thought about like changing the subject at some point being like, well, I wanted to cover this. I wanted to speak on this. But I'm like, well, God clearly wanted us to speak about something else. And so I'm not going to write the story to this podcast. And I'm not going to be like, you know what? I have a director's note, God. I think we should actually take it over here if that's just not what it's supposed to be. <laughs> well, I hope that you guys at home listen to this and you guys realize that you too are stupid and have a very finite view of the world and should not be the one writing the book. And maybe you can write like the cliff notes at the end and like talk about like the little bit, the little preface or, or something like that. But um. But, uh, yeah, I think that uh, the more you trust God, the more you let him write your story, the much better, more beautiful, more satisfying, more adventurous story you're ever going to have. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. We will see you next week with another banger with some more biblical knowledge. And on that note. May God help us. May help us indeed.